Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. All right, this is the Blue White Breakdown. It's brought to you by Penn State Health. Dustin Hawkins with Bob Flounders, who is brought to you today by Novocaine, a little dental adventure earlier this morning, and he's going to try to field my Penn State questions for him under those conditions. He's playing hurt, everybody. Yeah, I'm actually not playing hurt, but anytime uh, you force me to use the letter S, there's going to be a little bit of a lisp because it's on the right side, and as you can probably hear now. So I'm at like 92%, but I there are there's going to be a lisp, people. I hope you're good with it. Um, I kind of like it already, but yeah, I, it was important to me to get this done with Dustin because uh, we're like literally 48 hours away from Penn State Media Day, which really kind of jumpstarts our football coverage, Penn State season. They're inside of a month before the Purdue game. And there's, there's, I think it's a fascinating month of August considering the way their team is constructed. So just be careful when, when I say the letter S, don't judge me. I'm trying as you're talking, I'm trying to figure out ways to corner you into it, but I don't think I'll be able to do it. Um I love I love Penn State Media Day, by the way. You spent you spend a whole season, you know, talking to sele- a select few guys and whatever. This is one occasion where they just throw everybody out onto the field and you can go like as many people as you can talk to, as many stories you want to do. So in that respect, for everybody, uh, certainly for Penn Live. It's going to jumpstart the news cycle big time because everybody's going to bank all kinds of stories, including ourselves. So it absolutely does change the calendar much more so than Big Ten Media Days does. Yeah. The, the only the only problem is Penn State's got this great uh, true freshman class and they, they're going to be off limits. So, you know, try to, to be able to talk to Drew Aller and Nick Singleton, Deny Dennis Sutton, you know, Zane Durant, Caden Saunders, um, Katron Allen, like they have a. They have a loaded freshman class that I really think is gonna is gonna have a say in the outcome this year. But we're just gonna have to wait a little bit longer to talk to them. But there's still Dustin. There's still a lot of second year uh, players, plus guys like Hunter Norzad. Hopefully, will be available. Guys like Kalen King, you know, Jalen Reed, Zaki Wheatley. Just a ton of guys. I think that really are gonna be a factor in this season. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped too. I think that was a policy that Penn State had before James Franklin that he really, he, he really embraced that one. Uh, the no, the no, the, it's, it's, it's a squeeze on, on you guys without how it's not a new squeeze. He's just inheriting a squeeze. It's the grandfather clause. The the drill today is I just jotted down five quick questions about the team for the fall. And I guess, you know, camp factors in, but just, I think, some some things that kind of define how the season's going to go. 
Let's do it. My first question for you is what differences and similarities do you expect as Penn State for the first time in a while transitions from Brent Pry to Manny Diaz on defense? Like where where are the similarities and where are the differences that you would anticipate from this group? My educated guess from what I've heard is it's going to be a different looking defense. I think that Manny Diaz's approach to defense is a little different than Brent's. Brent wasn't, I would say, the most aggressive guy when it came to dialing up exotic blitzes and, and, and you know, even blitzing on rundowns. He did do it. He did do it. But I kind of felt like he didn't do A, he didn't do it enough. And it, I always felt like the, team, the, the, the other team was ready for them, if, that, if you know what I mean. It, it didn't seem like they were caught off guard. My example would be you didn't really see the best of Micah Parsons until maybe the final month, final five games of his sophomore year. And, you know, Brent, he was changing positions. He was learning a new position. And I think I think that Brent and James felt like, hey, we got to get him fundamentally sound. We just can't have him running around like a wild man because he's going to have to be disciplined. If he plays the wrong gap or he's out of position, there's going to be some big plays. My counter argument to that is when you have a player that's 6'3", 245 pounds and can run legit 4'5", maybe don't overthink it. And just just send him after people. Um, I think Manny Diaz might have a little bit better of a handle since he went through spring practice on on his athletes at Penn State. And I look for him. I look for this Penn State defense to be a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage with their defensive players, whether it's stunts or packages where there's three defensive ends on the field in obvious passing situations. You're going to see. Some blitzes coming from players that maybe you don't normally see. Jair Brown, when I talked to him in Indianapolis, I was talking to him about his evolution and how he wanted to be viewed um, when it comes to his time to get drafted by the NFL. And I, everyone knows that Jair Brown is a really terrific uh, pass coverage safety. He can find the ball in a hurry. When he gets his hands on the ball, he's going to catch it. Um, I think it's really tough to go against Jair Brown in pass coverage, but he's a pretty big safety, Dustin. And he did finish third on the team in tackles. I think he had 73, 61 solos. But I, I look for Manny to maybe use him a little bit more closer to the line of scrimmage and as a more disruptive player. And he told me more than once, he's like, you know, I know, I know that I have no sacks at Penn State and, and I'm going to change that. I, I think you're going to see him use his personnel and get his best personnel on the field. I think you're going to see three safety looks, and and I look for this Penn State defense. When when he was at he was he was at Miami, Dustin. They were really good at tackles for loss, disruptive plays, and they're really really good at at forcing turnovers. And I I do think that Penn State's defense, even with their losses that they have, is athletic enough to do a lot of the things that he was able to do at Miami. And is is this not where football really is headed? Where you know points are going to be scored. You know, whatever, whatever you do as a defense, you know, whether it's the rules and the way the athlete, the, uh, you know, athletes are now points are going to be scored on you. And it does seem like the focus is, you know, taking some risks to get some rewards for some sudden change situations to put teams behind the chains. And, and if that's true, I, I really feel like that's going to be a breath of fresh air for Penn State fans until you take a risk that, that leads to a <laughs> touchdown. Yeah. Um, but I think this defense is kind of constructed. I have a lot of confidence in their in their corners. Um, Joey Porter, Kalen King, 
Daquan Hardy, uh, Johnny Dixon, even as a fourth corner. I think that's a, if Johnny Dixon is your fourth corner, I think you have a pretty good group of corners. And I do think that I will say this Penn state fans don't get mad at me, but you guys tend to harbor harp harp, excuse me, on the negative way too much. You did it with Jordan stout. You, he, you had one of the, the game's great uh, field position weapons, but you would never forgive him for some missed field goals. His impact on that team last year was phenomenal. And I feel that I feel the same way about Joey Porter jr. And, and the flags. Now, did he get a little too handsy, especially down the stretch? And did he give up some penalties that could have easily been avoided? Yes, he did. But you're talking about a tremendous athlete in coverage who's big, physical, still learning the game. And I do think that is a correctable issue. And I think we're talking about one of the premier corners. I mean, there's, there's a reason why people have him going in the first round in mock drafts. Let's see what he does this year. And let's see what he can do. In coverage and, and taking away good receivers, but I'm, my point, I guess, is with Kalen King and Joey Porter. I think Manny Diaz realizes he can he can gamble with some other players and send some other players on the pass rush because he trusts both those guys. And I feel the same way about Daquan Hardy in the slot. If those guys are healthy, I think you're going to see Manny be much more focused on playing man to man coverage and, and and believing that the pressure will get to the quarterback before they can shake free from those corners. You know who else really dwells on the negative is every other college football fan base in the country. <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the great thing it's one of the great things about college football. Like having Alabama fans panicked over like their recruiting situation. And I, I think you're only as good as as the next thing that you do. Oh, always. And it, it doesn't matter if you're Nick Saban. You know, Odafe Owe, his final year at Penn State, you know, he did not have a sack. And that that is true. He literally spent like whole series in the backfield. Now, either he didn't get there, he just missed, or he affected the passer, or he got a tackle for loss in the run game. But he was routinely beating uh, offensive linemen. But he was a young player who was actually inexperienced because he was always hurt. But you eventually he was going to figure it out. It's unfortunate he left early, but he was such a freak that, I mean, Baltimore watched tape of that guy. Uh, saw what he could do as far as, you know, lifting and running, and he was a first-round pick. So you're right. It, it's easier to focus on the negative than the positive, and I guess that's just the way it goes. But in football, especially on defense, Dustin, or if you're an offensive lineman, you're not going to play a perfect game. You are not. And when you get exposed on three or four plays, unfortunately, that's that's just kind of what gets remembered. They don't remember the other 56 where – you more than held your own. But I, I just think that Penn State, with a guy like Joey Porter, I really think he is a special player. And I think he is going to be maybe one, maybe the key to this Penn State defense just because of what he can do and what he can do to take away uh, other really talented receivers. Question number two for you, and it's a really good um, positive versus negative question, <laughs> is how much more does Sean Clifford have to offer as Penn State's starting I mean, that's what everybody wants to know. Like, if, if things work out and the ideal scenario with health and offensive line, I mean, uh, I think it's clear, like, in my opinion, that he's not the guy to overcome shortcomings elsewhere. He's not the guy to really, really elevate everybody else. But if, if the conditions are right, can he be a Big Ten title winning quarterback? Yeah. I I mean, I, I think he can he can be the quarterback on a Big Ten contender. 
I there's no I just don't see I don't see a world in which Penn State can hang with Ohio State this year. But I would say this about Sean, you know, one of the things that struck me in the spring when Mike Yersich was available and he was asked about Sean. You couldn't ask him about last year's running game. He does not want to talk about last year's running game. But um, when he asked, when he talked about Sean, he said, you know what? They're, they're playing up the second year in my offense and, you know, a better understanding of the offense. And I, I would agree with that. I think that Sean's going to be more comfortable in the offense. But he did talk about, I believe, I'm paraphrasing, getting through his progressions quicker when he's going to throw the ball. And to me, you know, we're talking about a, a, a college quarterback that's now in his sixth year. And I think if Sean can do that, I think you will see a much improved quarterback because, yeah, when you had Jahan Dotson, it was tempting just to lock in on Jahan Dotson. But if you can spread the ball around, and Penn State is really, I think, between the tight ends and the wideouts and even throwing the ball to a guy like Nick Singleton out of the backfield, he's got quite a, a menu of of weapons to kind of choose. And I think it's going to really cause some matchup problems for the defense if the offensive line can, you know, can keep them off Sean, the defensive line, for like 2.5 seconds or whatever it is. The first option's not there. I think if Sean can get to the second option, get get the ball out, get the get it to the guy in stride, I think you you're talking about uh the difference between a 60% passer and maybe a 68, 69%, 70% passer. And I think that is possible, but it did give me a little pause when when uh, Mike Yersitz talked about that in spring. Um, again, I'm paraphrasing, but we all kind of looked at each other when he said it. That's the biggest thing I'm looking for for Sean this year. Is is he is he going to get the ball out quick enough? You know what I mean? Is he going to be able to? Uh, can he throw the ball away and not take the sack? You know, and not take a nine yard loss? You know, can he get if he's if he's scrambling? Can he get down or get out of bounds and not absorb? really an unnecessary hit so he can prolong his health and prolong his season. So I think there's a lot of room for Sean to get better. Um, but the last two or three years, we've seen a lot of the same things, right? So he's going to have to be different. And Dustin, I think we're going to know in the first couple of weeks, whether it's, it's a much new, a, a much improved and newer version of Sean Clifford. But I, I, I think he would even admit that there's some room for him to grow. And I'm anxious to see, if he can, if he can, if he looks different in September. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's a good one for you. What happens if Penn State wins seven games again? 
then what? What's the men- what's the collective mentality? What's the urgency? You know, James Franklin isn't going anywhere until he chooses to go somewhere. The contractually, that's kind of the the deal. But how do you think Penn State fans will feel if this is, you know, you can write off 2020 on a, on a one-year basis. You can write off 2021 considering all the injuries and stuff. But can you really write off three straight years of subpar uh, results? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good question there, Dusty. Thanks for putting me Now, uh, we've talked about this before. So, and, you know, James is kind of, yeah, he does have the big contract. But at Big Ten Media Day, in his opening statement, he talked about, Boy, just looking at this team, never been deeper, right? Never been deeper. Really impressed with our depth. So the subtext there to me is if some if a couple guys get hurt, we've got our bases covered. So there's really the injury excuse, I think. I mean, I think there's only a couple players on this team that are, if they go down, it's, it's you know, it's going to be a big problem, I think, for Penn State. Who are those guys? Curtis, Curtis Jacobs? Curtis Jacobs? Curtis Jacobs is way up way up on my list of guys that they just can't afford to lose. P.J. Mustafer, he went out against Iowa last year and Illinois. Chase Brown now holds the Beaver Stadium record for most rushing yards in a game. Chase Brown of Illinois. They ran for like 370 yards, and it's not it's not a coincidence. So those those guys, I think, I think if anything happens to Juice Scruggs, I think that's, that's going to be a problem for Penn State as well. It's not maybe the most obvious uh, names. Parker Washington, I think, would be another guy. That even though they like they like their wideout room, I don't think there's another receiver on the team that's really built like Parker and able to do the things he does, uh, so many things so well. But your question about seven wins, like even how about if they're six and six and need that seventh win in the bowl game? That's even worse. But the way that Penn State fans are going to look at this is if, if they if they're only going to win seven games and it's, say it's six in the regular season, then Dustin, chances are they started the year one and two, right? They probably lost at Purdue. And they probably lost at Auburn, and they're one and two. They still got to go to Michigan. They still got to play Ohio State. Michigan State's on the schedule. Minnesota is not an easy game. You know that you can you can see if they're one and two how they might get to six or seven wins. But I think for the fan base, if that happens, I think depending on what James does with his quarterbacks is going to shape the narrative for how they treat that season. I think if they're seven and six, but the last month of the season. He's looking at the younger quarterbacks in an effort to look to the future. I think there's going to be a little bit of forgiveness there. But if he's going to just, if they're seven and six with Sean Clifford, I think there's going to be some hard feelings amongst the Penn State fans. And I think it's a really interesting question to see how this is going to play out. Hopefully they win eight or nine games. But if it's six and six after 12 or, you know, seven and five after 12, and none of the young quarterbacks are getting into the games other than like, Falling on the ball or mop up duty, I, I just think it's 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 the wrong it's the wrong direction to go for the head coach. All right, and the, the next question kind of ties into a couple of those themes. You know, James talking about depth. I also I, I I do feel like the depth skews pretty young, and in in that respect, you know, you look at how they recruited in 2020 and 2021. They were two of James Franklin's worst recruiting classes. I mean, it's not that good players didn't come out of it, but from a number standpoint. So 2022, you know, you mentioned this, you know, all the freshmen you can't talk to at Penn State Media Day. They're relying on these young guys if they continue recruiting like this. You know, 2022, 2023 is the, the same thing. If they keep going in that direction, uh, do you believe still that this can be a contending team? 
I do. I do. But really, it's great. It's great to get those five-star offensive linemen and, and you know, the five-star running backs and, you know, the elite linebackers and the coverage guys. But this, this is why I think it's so big to see how uh, Drew Aller's career plays out at Penn State. If you don't have a gigantic difference maker at quarterback, there's a couple of exceptions, but not many. You need a guy that is going to be accurate, is going to make good decisions, is going to get the ball to the right people at the right time, and it's going to be really good on third down. All those things. A strong arm doesn't hurt either, right? But if he doesn't, if he can't consistently land quarterbacks that are considered top five or top six or top seven nationally in their class, five star, high four star, it's great to have a, a, a nice surrounding cast around that guy, but he's going to have to continue to be able to stack really, really talented quarterbacks to come to Penn State. And if he can do that, I think you're going to see the gap between Penn State and Ohio State narrow because clearly Penn State not only can can get high four-star and five-star talent at a lot of other positions, they're really good at identifying you know, three-star players or low four-stars and build them up to become better like two or three years at Penn State. But I hate to just keep beating the same drum, but I just think that it's it's really about the five-star quarterbacks or the high four-star quarterbacks. And the other thing, Dustin, is even if you can start winning more games and challenging Ohio State, the way it's set up in the transfer portal, you're going to see some more talented quarterbacks maybe want to come play at Penn State because they think they do have a shot to play right away. Yeah, I mean, it, it does mean so much. And I, I I also feel like not just getting talent in there too, but I feel like the best teams – are getting talented guys, but their their system lends itself to continuity somehow or another. You know, like I, I don't know if Alabama for a stretch had necessarily the most talented quarterbacks, like before Tua came along, but their their system allowed guys to to succeed. You know, I don't know what it might be a cart before the horse kind of thing, like um, where you have the system, you have the quarterback, and then you can get into some continuity. I think people have some doubts right now just because of how things have gone, you know, post Trace McSorley, but. Uh, Drew, you know, it, it is interesting. Like the rest of the roster will will get a lot of really valuable experience this year, and I think the rest of the roster will be really, really strong. Then you're just gonna have that big quarterback question next year. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and the other thing that Penn State's gonna have to do is we're talking about all these these offensive linemen, but if they can't develop them and they can't they can't be better at the line of scrimmage, the quarterback's gonna get killed anyway. So. Recruiting is a key is the key to the game, but there there's something to be said for development. And we've been talking too long about this offense the offensive line year in and year out. Even James is kind of getting tired of it. I think that I don't know that they have a lot of depth this year, but if they stay healthy, if the offensive line looks the same, you know, in late October uh as it does in early, you know, September, and they, they don't take a step forward, it's fair to call into into question the developmental aspect of the offensive line. And I think then you're talking about the offensive line. That's what you saw last year, right? Like, I think that was the thing is that you didn't, you didn't really seem to see a whole lot of progress, not just September to October, but September to December. (laughs) Yeah. It was really tough to watch. There's a reason why I think in the big 10, the offense never scored 30 points. They, you know, they, they might've gotten, they got, I think they got past 30 against Maryland, but that was because Jair Brown picked off a pass and ran it back for a score. But there's a, there's a, you have Jahan Dotson on your team. And you have you you can't get into the 30s against some of the teams on your schedule. It's a pretty good indicator that there were issues at quarterback, quarterback health, 
and there were some issues on the offensive line. And it, it just can't happen every year like this. I mean, this is – I think this is Phil Troutwine's third year. I think he came on board for the 2020 season. The players are now comfortable with him. I'm, I'm sure the install, whatever it is, what his philosophy, it's it's they know what to expect. Now, is it good enough, though, against good teams, good defenses to – create push at the line of scrimmage. We're going to see. Last question for you. Is there a player or two that you're higher on than you think a lot of other people are, whether that's fans or other media types or whatever is do you, do you have a, you know, so to speak, a, a man crush or something like that, <laughs> like irra- irrational optimism for anybody on Penn state's roster. Yeah. I got burnt. One of my early, one of my man crushes that just blew up in my face. I still think he could have been a hell Manny Bowen. Ryan Buckholtz got hurt. I liked him. I really like Manny Bowen. I thought he was going to be a star. He could do it all, but that didn't work out. So I feel like I'm not trying to jinx anyone, but I, I am going to volunteer uh, a couple of man crushes. Theo Johnson is definitely a guy that I think there is absolutely no reason why he should not be terrorizing secondaries this year. At 260 pounds, running 4 5 one, just get him the ball. Just get just just throw it to him five times a game. And if he catches three of them, I think you're gonna you're gonna have some successful drives. I think he's one. He doesn't even have to be open. I mean, who cares if there's a guy on him? I mean, he's he's actually good at also drawing penalties. That's another reason why you, I would target Theo Johnson just because of what you said. Like how if you're if you're a safety or a corner, he's got six inches on you and about you know, 70 pounds or 80, you know, 60 pounds. So I don't know how you deal with that. And if you put a linebacker on him, it's a touchdown. Like it's just, he's just going to run right by. So he's one. I really, I do believe in Kalen King, but I think everyone's, I think Zaki Wheatley is a guy. Um, first of all, talking to him in the spring and they list him at six. Usually when Penn State lists somebody, they fudged the, the height in a positive way. Like, you know, whether it was a quarterback that was actually 5'10 or 5'11, they listed him at 6'1. They list the key Wheatley at 6'2, and I think he's like 6'4. Like, I think he's even bigger than that. I think he can really be somebody pretty special, I think, uh, for Penn State's defense, even if he's the third safety to start the year. I think, I think he's a guy. When you look at the defensive line, uh, I, I can't say I've seen enough of Chop Robinson to, to say, oh boy. I mean, I, I know about the recruiting and all, and all that stuff. The other guy that I'm pretty high on is Keandre Lambert Smith. I I just watched I watched him last year against some teams. He's a gifted big athlete, and he can get by a lot of a good players on defense. And if you're going to focus on Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, and he's your third receiver, I mean he's probably going to draw. Depending on how the the defense wants to play it, he might be drawing the third best corner on the other team. And I just think his speed and his size. I think he could have broken out sooner, but Jahan Dotson was just that good. I think he's a guy. I could see him catching 40 passes for about 700 yards and five or six touchdowns this year, and that's with Parker get, getting his, Mitchell Tinsley getting his, and guys like Theo and Brenton Strange getting a lot of catch. I just think he's that good, and I think he's another guy that he's going to have favorable matchups. So those are my guys. Oh, Dustin, can you give me one? Uh, well, I mean, I think – Theo Johnson's one. I I'm a big uh, Landon Tang Wall fan. I have high hopes for the left side of that offensive line. You know, you mentioned Olu Fashanu and, and and people talking about him na- nationwide when we when we talked yesterday. And if, so, if that comes to fruition, and, and Landon Tang Wall, I, I think is really um, 
mature and really strong. Like he just arrived super strong, stronger than most. So I, I, I have high hopes for the left side of that line and, and for, and for juice. Like maybe with those guys, you've got the level of talent that you can run behind them and you can trust them. You know, if you're Sean Clifford on, on your blind side. So I, I, I'll say, I'll say those two. I don't want to be hyperbolic about it, but I do feel like between Jair Brown and Zaki Wheatley, Penn State has, you know, takeaway guys at safety, unlike they've had ever really before, you know, and, and they've had good safeties. Yeah, Marcus Allen and Jaquan Brittley, you know, they've had good safeties, but I think in terms of purely being able to make plays on the ball in the air, those two guys are high, high on the list of the best that Penn State has had under James Franklin. I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, especially Zaki Wheatley played receiver in high school and he spent last year at corner. That only, I think, strengthened his coverage skills. Even in the, it's the blue and white game, right? But every time the ball was thrown in his direction, he closed on it quickly and either made a play or was this close to either intercepting it or knocking it away. And if, if he really is closer to 6'4", which I do believe, I'm going to stand next to him at media day and, and tell Hermit to just get a picture. So we're going to get to the bottom of that because I think he's at the very least he's 6'3". But I, I, I agree with you. And I think that I think that Keaton Ellis is a pretty good is a pretty good safety. And I think that Jalen Reed is also a guy that can that when he's in the game, I don't think Penn State's defense is going to suffer. But I do think that Wheatley and Brown on the field at the same time with those corners, I think it's going to be tough. There's going to be some very narrow windows, I think, to throw the ball if you're a quarterback. Agreed on all those fronts there. Well, this was a fun exercise. Those are five questions with Bob Flounders. Uh, we'll be back next week on the Blue White Breakdown. We're here pretty much every day. So everywhere you go get podcasts, you can check out the Blue White Breakdown every day. Uh, PennLive.com slash Penn State Football is the place for everything else. Business is about to pick up on the Penn State coverage front with Media Day coming up and, and the second week of, of training camp coming. So stay tuned to every, Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live, and Bob Flounders, who uh, from now on I'm going to call Thuffer and Thuffer. Uh, Mr. Novocaine himself. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see, we'll see you next time on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>